All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city, through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Then over to chapter 5, starting at verse 2. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. If you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. Thank you, Helen. Let's pray as we come to to God's word. Father God, we do thank you again for the gift of the Spirit. We do thank you that... He is the one who inspires your word. He helps us to understand your word. He opens our our hearts to receive it and to change our lives. And we do pray that he would do that this morning. He would do a work in us. Help us to see Jesus in all his glory. And help us to want to, to be like him, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at the beginning of this sermon series, we said that as human beings, we were made for relationships with one another because he is a relational God and we have been made in his image. And relationships are therefore the source of the greatest joy we can experience in life. The conversely, broken relationships are the source of the greatest sadness we can experience in life. That means when we are seeking a relationship, we are opening ourselves up for a possible fall. But if we don't, the alternative is far worse. As C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Four Loves, the quote should be coming on the screen. We just um, flick it on. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your hearts to no one. 
Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation. If we're not prepared to love, then we will live a sad life. That doesn't mean if we are prepared to love that we won't at times experience sadness because human love, good as it may be, is not perfect. And there will be times when we feel disappointed, when we feel discouraged. In this series in Song of Songs, we've been drawing analogies between the love of a man for a woman and the love of God for his people. We've seen the beauty of passion and commitment in human relationships and how that reflects the passionate love and commitment that God has for his people. In our passages this morning uh, that we're looking at, we see two different stages in the relationship between the man and the woman, both of which can cause anguish. Before the marriage, where there is insecurity and anxiety, and afterwards, where there is complacency and a taking for granted. And the lessons we can draw are the same lessons we can draw in our relationship with God. Before we know God and put our trust in him and commit our lives to him, there is a spiritual searching going on, which leaves us restless. And some of you here may be going through that right now. It's interesting that we're living at a time when we have never had it so good. And yet when you look around you, people are not happy. None of the political parties can provide what people truly want and need. There is a hunger deep inside the soul for something else. It's 30 years since um, you 2 brought out their album, The Joshua Tree, and they're doing a tour to commemorate that at the moment. And um, on that album, one of my favorite songs, were what they performed last week on a US chat show. Um, it's the song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. It'd be good to listen to it at the end of this service, but I thought it'd be good just to see the lyrics on the screen. Um, be good to feel the music later on, but just have a look at these lyrics because they are in many ways a paraphrase of the verses from Song of Songs that we're looking at this morning and this search for love. It starts, I've climbed the highest mountains, I've run through the fields only to be with you. I've run, I've crawled, I've scaled these city walls, these city walls only to be with you, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's a desperate search going on for someone he wants to be with. And as the song goes on, we see from the imagery that it's similar to that used in the Song of Songs, that he's tasted love, but he still hasn't found what he's looking for. Look how it goes on. I've kissed honey lips. I felt the healing in the fingertips. It burned like fire, this burning desire. I've spoken with the tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And as it goes on, the spiritual search becomes clearer. I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loosened the chains. You carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
It's like he believes the truth of the gospel in his head. He knows that on the, Christ, on the cross, Christ set him free. He took away his shame. But he's not allowed that truth to change him from within. He still hasn't experienced the joy and the freedom of a committed relationship with Jesus Christ and the gift of his spirit. As I said earlier, broken relationships are the source of the greatest sadness. But the great thing about broken relationships is that when they are restored, then the joy is even greater. And the same goes for our relationship with God. All of us have been in a broken relationship with God. We're born in a broken relationship with God. But when we experience the joy of reconciliation, it is the greatest experience we can have as a human. And hopefully we'll see that this morning. So let's turn to our passage in chapter 3. When we looked at the first couple of chapters in this uh, book, what became clear was the passion and the commitment that the two lovers have for each other. And chapter 2 ended um, with a description of verse 16, My beloved is mine and I am his. It's an exclusive, committed relationship. They have eyes for no one else. They belong to each other. And that's reiterated here at the beginning of chapter 3 with the phrase repeated four times in four verses, the one my heart loves. I looked for the one, I will search for the one my heart loves. But the emotions have changed dramatically. The woman now has a real fear of losing her man. It's almost like a panic attack. She can't bear the thought of him not being there. She says, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. It's difficult to know whether this was a nightmare or um, she just couldn't get to sleep for, for worrying. But either way, there's an emotional turmoil that's going on here. The woman knows what she wants, but she can't find him. Last week, we talked about the joy and the peace and the freedom that comes from a relationship in which two people are committed to one another and how God designed marriage for that purpose. But at this stage, the man and the woman aren't married. And it may be that the woman's sense of restlessness is because she is not yet able to enjoy the love and security of a committed relationship. But she knows she needs to do something about it. And so she says, in verse 2, I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. Again, we don't know whether she's really doing this or whether it's all part of her dream, but it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, if you want to find love, you need to do something about it. It won't just fall into your lap. It requires action. And the woman here makes a conscious decision, but as she searches the city, she's worried she will never find her lover. Twice she says, I looked for him, but didn't find him. Have you seen the one my heart loves? She asks in desperation to the watchman. And it's the same with God. If we truly want to know the blessing of God's love, we need to seek him. David was somebody who sought God. He wrote many psalms of anguish about his seeking. In Psalm 63, David writes this. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. 
My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Well, the great news is that those who seek God earnestly, who really want to find him, will do so. In Jeremiah 29, God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In Matthew, Jesus says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, that doesn't mean that God isn't able to, to make himself known to those who are not seeking him. He can cause a dramatic conversion of uh, people like Saul, who was actually persecuting God. We know that in this month of, of Ramadan that uh, uh, God gives visions of Jesus to Muslims who are praying to, to their God. Let's pray that many will receive those visions this, this time round. But coming back to Song of Songs, the great news is that the woman's loss and her desperate search don't last very long. And she soon experiences the joy of reconciliation. Have a look at verse 4. And we're, we're overcome here with a huge feeling of relief for the woman. Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and wouldn't let him go till I brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. That need for love means that when people find it, they won't let it go. The woman takes her lover to her mother's house, possibly symbolic of security, stability. She wants to keep him there till they get married and consummate their marriage. If we found the thing for which we have been looking for for so long, why would we not want to, to hold on to it? On Easter Sunday, when Mary Magdalene finds the tomb of Jesus empty, she stands outside the tomb crying. She's in desperation for her Lord. And when she recognizes him standing there in front of her, there's this huge sense of relief. She doesn't want to let him go. What's the greatest parable that Jesus told in your mind? For me, it must be the one of the, the prodigal son. If you don't know it, it's about a, a father who has two sons. Uh, the younger one decides he's going to leave home, he's going to go off in search of a meaningful life somewhere else. He's just going to go and have fun. So he asks for his inheritance up front from his father, even before he's, he's died, and turns his back on his family. He lives it up for a while, probably has lots of friends and uh, has a lot of fun. But then the money runs out, and he finds himself alone and without any money, and ends up feeding pigs just to stay alive. Then he comes to his senses and realizes that actually he would be earning more money just as a servant of his father. So he might as well just go back and, uh, and say sorry. So he sets off at home, probably feeling really difficult, wondering what he's going to say when he sees his dad or even whether his dad would have him back. Um, but as he approaches his home, his dad comes running towards him with open arms. The son says, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father says, let's have a party. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. 
And that parable shows the joy that God the Father has when people come seeking him and say, sorry, I've been looking in all the wrong places for the meaning of life. Please forgive me. I want to know your love. And the good news of the gospel is that we don't need to fear that we will never find love. Because Jesus has made it possible for us to be reconciled with the one who shows us perfect love. Love that drives out fear. God is there waiting. He's knocking at the door of our hearts, waiting for us to open it and to let him into our lives. And if you're someone here this morning who does not yet know God, I hope you're here because you want to find him. I hope that he's planted in you a seed of desire that makes it impossible for you to keep away. Well, however good our intentions are, once we've found that love and we've enjoyed it, how do we keep it alive? Because we cannot assume those strong feelings, that that passion that we looked at a couple of weeks ago will remain, or that we'll be immune from problems in those relationships. Love can be lost through neglect. So how do we keep love alive? Well, last week we looked at the importance of openness and honesty in our relationships. And uh, we read, have a look back at verse 15 of chapter 2. We read there the, the husband's wise words. Catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards that are in bloom. What are those little foxes? The little foxes that may disrupt your human relationships. And the marriage preparation course is a session on keeping love alive, which involves developing a sense of friendship, um, enjoying each other's presence, involves discovering each other's needs, building a sexual relationship. It means not taking the other person for granted. Because unless we make an effort, a marriage can become stale and monotonous. It's also about understanding each other, understanding the differences between the sexes that make us respond in different ways. The differences in our family backgrounds and our personalities. There are many reasons why marriages might become difficult. And so it's easy to relate to the frustration and anxiety that the woman expresses in this passage. Let's have a look at chapter 5. Because this passage here takes place after they're married. The woman is sleeping. And she hears her husband knocking at the door. She is still perfect in his sight. And he expresses his love for her in these these great terms of endearment. Have a look at verse 2. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I don't know where he's been. Maybe he had a late night in the office. Maybe he's been out with the boys. Who knows? But what is his wife's response? I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Basically, if I had a nice bath and I'm tucked up in bed, must I really get up and go to that inconvenience? Now, would she have said that previously, or would she have rushed down stairs to open the door for him? Then there was nothing that she could have done that would have been too much. But isn't there a sense now of complacency, of, of taking him for granted, of putting her own comfort first? 
Now, to her credit, when she hears him trying to open the door, her, her heart, we're told, begins to pound, and she goes down to open the door. But have a look at verse 6. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but didn't find him. I called him, but he didn't answer. She goes off looking for him around the city. She gets attacked by the watchman and in desperation asks the women if they find her beloved to tell him I'm faint with love for him. Of course she still loves him, but she's just become lazy in that love. And the question that leaves us is, given our sinful human nature, how do we keep love alive? And we can apply the same lessons here to to our human relationships as to our relationship with God. Three small pieces, hopefully, of helpful wisdom here for all of us. The first of those is don't rely on the feeling of being in love. Our emotions are not reliable. They're just as flawed as our thoughts. The woman's problem was she didn't feel like getting up. There'll be things we don't feel like doing, even though they're for the good of others and ultimately also for our own good. But we need to do them anyway. And the same goes for our relationship with God. We may not feel like going to worship. We may not feel like praying or reading the Bible. And sometimes we just need to do it anyway because it's for our good. Secondly, protect your time with one another. There will always be distractions in this world. Often good things have become um, a distraction. They become obsessive. Often for men, it's work. We need to work to earn a living but work can easily take over our lives. It may be for the desire for more money, more more success. It may be for the fear of not actually having enough. None of those of which are healthy. And when these things take over, they can damage our relationships, both human and spiritual. And linked to the issue of distractions, don't always think about what you could be doing or what you need to do but enjoy what you are doing at that moment. Enjoy being in one another's presence. There's nothing more sad than seeing a couple uh, out together, having a nice meal, and both of them on their mobile phones. What is so important that can't wait? Treat each day as if it were your last together. Don't have any regrets. It's the same with God. Enjoy listening to him as you open up his word, as he speaks to you. Enjoy speaking with him. Treat each day as if Jesus were going to come back tomorrow. We'll be looking at this subject a bit more this evening when we look at the spiritual battle of being faithful in a world of distraction. But finally, grow in your love. Seek to grow in your love. A lot of young people live for their wedding day. That's the only thing they can focus their minds on and all their preparations as if that is the pinnacle of their lives. But that is just the start of the relationship. It's not the end. You're committing to living together for the rest of your lives, and that will take hard work. And it's the same in our relationship with God. Becoming a Christian, being baptized is the start of a relationship with God. It's not the end. And if we don't 
develop that relationship, if we don't put down deeper and deeper roots, as if we don't grow in our love for God, we will lose our faith. We become cold in our love for him. And that's why Jesus warned us about the seed falling on the path where the, the birds eat it up, or rocky places where the soil is shallow, or among thorns where it's choked. In each case, the faith has not had a chance to take root and the person falls away. If we've experienced the joy of being reconciled to God, then hold on to him. Hold on to him spiritually until Jesus comes again. Hold on to the promise that Jesus gave his disciples on the last night, the promise that is true for all of us who are his followers. Jesus said, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am, only to be with you. We're going to um, listen to this um, video now. Um, We can try and watch it. It's a little bit dark, so you might not see everything, but the more important thing is just listening to the words, listening to the music, um, the emotions in that. um, And then we'll have a time of quiet, just reflecting on, on what we've heard and praying to God about it. Have you found what you're looking for? You would only find it in Jesus Christ. Why don't you take a moment to speak to him? If you have found what you're looking for in Jesus already, why don't you think about what those things are which may take you away from Jesus Christ? Those things which are maybe turning your love cold or the distractions which are dragging you away. Just a moment of quiet to speak to the Lord. Father, we thank you for that promise that those who seek you earnestly will find you. We pray for any here this morning who are seeking you earnestly, that you would allow them to find you, that you would reveal yourself to them. Move their hearts, we pray, Lord, to receive from you, to receive that great gift of your love, the love that will last for eternity. And Lord, for those who have found you and have enjoyed that great love, Lord, help us not to allow it to grow cold. Point out to us the distractions which take us away from you. Distractions of a world which um, has lots of many good things, but which can take us away from the best thing. We praise you for Jesus Christ, the best thing. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.